Hello out there, George Irwin here, also known on Instagram as Western Gallery. I'd like to welcome you to Horizons, a series of talks with people who make, collect, and present artworks that represent the American West. Mostly painting-focused for now, we'll zero in on the people involved with works depicting the Western landscape, cowboys, Native Americans, and wildlife. So saddle up and join me as I venture west. My first guest is Miss Debbie Carroll, a painter of landscapes and wildlife, presently residing in Austin, Texas, though perhaps not for long. Debbie came to painting via a long and winding road and is refining her voice as a painter and artist while building her collector base. You can find her work on Instagram as at Debbie Carroll and on the web at www.debbiecarrollfineart.com. Sit in on our talk about finding a way to doing what you love, acrylic paints, and art shows. Here's our chat. Yeah, remodeling and living in the same place at the same time sounds like a challenge. It's not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend it. If you don't have to do it, don't. Yeah. So. <laughs> first questions first is like, how did you start painting or how did you get into it? I had a teacher my senior year in high school, an art teacher, and he took me and two other people kind of under his wing and said, hey, you three really need to go to college. You need to study art and help us put portfolios together. And, you know, he was really supportive. And I feel like that was a key thing for me going forward. So I went to Northern Illinois University, was just a couple hours away from home, Uh, started out as an art major, but I had that nagging feeling, oh, what am I going to do with this? I even had a teacher in my sophomore year with drawing, and she took me aside and she said, you know, I really think you should major in studio art with an emphasis in drawing. I was like, what am I going to do with that? I ended up going into the graphic design direction and ended up in fashion merchandising of all things. Oh, wow. You know, and I say, oh, you, you use everything you learn and eventually you do. You do. So I have used those things that I learned in other areas, but uh, I had a very securitous route for all of this. Then when I got out of college, I didn't even go into fashion merchandising. Mm -hmm. I ended up going into travel. I went on a um, student trip right after I graduated. Seven weeks of travel through several countries. It was so worth it. I don't regret the whole the backpacking thing. Uh, Well, no, we were a little bit more pampered than that. We had a motor coach with about 40 people and we had a guide and I met a lot of people. And that's how I ended up in Texas. I met several Texans and they all really, you you know how Texans are. They're very proud of (laughs) Texas. And I do, you know, um, Texas is great. And I really had wanted to move somewhere warm because growing Mm -hmm. up in the Chicago area, I knew early on I wasn't going to stay there. I couldn't stand the winter. So So um, you traded the cold for the heat. Oh, yeah. I still don't (laughs) regret that. I'm good with that. (laughs) When I went on that trip, I took a lot of photos and had it kind of filed away in my mind like, oh, someday I'm going to paint some of these. This is great. But it did take me a very long time. Once I had my kids, I really started feeling that need to do something creative. I had stopped working full time and I had Mm -hmm. a little bit more time to think about what do I want to do next? And we, at that point, had started going to New Mexico a lot. And mm-hmm. it's so cliche. Everybody always says, oh, the light, the, the scenery, the color. The light is really, like, markedly different. Oh, it is. It yeah. is. I mean, that was a huge impact for me as far as wanting to paint 
it was one of those things. I always knew I wanted to do it, but I didn't even really know if I could do it. And then yeah. I signed up for a workshop in Taos. We knew this potter and painter, Stephen Kilburn, and he does these great, real colorful abstract paintings. And I saw we were in there one day buying pottery that we collected his work mm-hmm. that he was going to do a painting workshop. And I'm like, oh my okay. God, I have to sign up for this. So I had my big, one of my other milestone birthdays and had uh, signed up for the class. And it was really kind of outside my comfort level because it was abstract. It was watercolor, two things I really didn't do. And so I thought, you know what? I've been really wanting to loosen my style. This will be good. So I just went in with an open mind and the way he does his workshops, he kind of focuses on a subject. And so our subject was Adobe churches. Okay. A lot of what he was saying uh, spoke to me as far as simplifying the shapes. I mean, he said, Mm -hmm. when you do your sketches, don't get every detail, get your shapes, you know, your contrasts and really broke it down. I mean, it was helpful to hear it and then see it in action. And also, you know, I love the workshop because you don't learn from just the artist teaching it. You learn from all the other people that are in the workshop too. Right. The first day I definitely loosened my style, but the first piece that I did, it was the backside of the famous church in Rancho de Taos there everybody paints. And I did the back with flying buttresses and Mm -hmm. Stephen came around and he looked at my piece and he's like, this is the way you usually paint. And I was like, no, not really. I said, I'm trying to loosen my style. And I said, I love what you're telling us, but I can't make myself do straight lines. I mean, with that subject and the curves, I just kept wanting to do more of a curved, soft shapes. Hmm. He said, you know what? It's working. Just go with it. So mine ended up looking different from everybody else's because they were all trying to do exactly what he was doing. And I was doing something a little bit different. But it really was a definite jumping off point. I mean, that was a a definite turn in the right direction. You got kind of immersed in it then, I guess, for however long that workshop was. Yes. Well, it was Mm -hmm. a whole week and we would go out and sketch in the morning and then come back and paint for the rest of the day. And so, I mean, we were getting two 11 by 15 paintings done a day, which that was also good for me because I would get hung up before on just... You know, overworking, mm-hmm. reworking. When, and when is the painting finished, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. When is it finished? And sometimes, I mean, I think we all, as painters, all do that. You know, I have a lot of friends who paint and will say, oh, my God, I have to stop before I ruin this. Yeah. <laughs> so I always laugh when I see people post things on Instagram and they'll make that comment because I get it. Yeah. Well, that's quite a route to becoming a painter, but you know, it doesn't sound like a terribly uncommon one. Everybody seems to, you know, wander around a lot and then end up, if it's their thing, they'll find Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Cool. I'm trying it out myself, actually. Oh, time. are you really? In a long time, yeah. Oh, well, um, but when are you going to post some of your work? Uh, maybe when I finish something. Okay. <laughs> so you, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. For now, I'm just kind of exploring and, you know, doing mm-hmm. What medium? Um, Acrylic right now. You know, it's funny. I think acrylic is one of the hardest ones. Why is that? Well, it's, you know, the qualities of acrylic, it's great because it dries fast, but it's hard because it dries fast. That's what I'm frustrated with is that it dries so quickly. You know, you might try the watercolor. One of the things I did in that workshop that was different was before, um, previously, I always did the pan watercolor. Mm -hmm. And the tube watercolor, I just treated it like, how I treat my acrylics and I would sure. use as much as I wanted, dilute as much as I want, or even maybe lay it on a little bit thick at times. Mm-hmm. But um, I found it to be a lot more forgiving 
and you could lift areas if you wanted. You know, you could really rework quite a bit if you wanted to. So I tell people if you're starting out, it's not a bad way to go. Is that? Okay, so I'm curious about what is the difference between watercolor, like tube watercolor and like gouache or gouache or Uh, gouache? You know, I think the gouache is basically more opaque, whereas you get that prettier transparencies with the watercolor pigment. Yeah, I just, I've never played with that or the medium is like, it's either gouache or watercolor, but mm-hmm. sometimes they look very similar and I think they're made mm-hmm. of similar, you know, material. Interesting. What is your painting practice like? Can you kind of talk through like a process of making a painting a little bit? Sure. Where do you start? Well, what I like to do is when we travel around or just when I'm out and about, if I see something that's inspiring, I'll try to snap an image. I'm really using my iPhone camera a lot because I don't always have the luxury of going and sketching. I really need to be doing that more. But the reality is with being busy with a lot of stuff right now, Mm -hmm. um, that's the easiest thing for me. So, I mean, you'll laugh. Even on a car trip, I'm out like I see cool little interesting roads leading off and I'll get my camera out and start just trying to get a picture. Mm-hmm. Or if I can get my husband to stop the car, I'll get out and take pictures. <laughs> You're just like hanging out the window snapping. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But then what I do is I'll always take my photos to a sketch because, you know, sometimes there's things in the photo that I don't want, or I have an idea of how to make the composition a little better. And I like to have that level of separation between working from a photo to working with a sketch. I just feel like it's it's better. And I refer to the photo, but, you know, sometimes I change colors, mm-hmm. mix things up a bit, add things, delete things. But it's a good jumping off point. And, you know, like recently I did a, a little painting that was of a garage of all things, but I modified a few things and... I liked how it turned out because I think, you know, you have to, to realize as an artist, and that was one of the things I liked about um, seeing the art in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's the interpretation of the artist that really gets me excited about a piece. I appreciate yes. realism, but it's really the more interpretive pieces that reach out and grab me. So that's really what I want to try to do when I'm working on my own pieces. And I really do like to build on the color A lot of my pieces are gessoed with black underneath, or I've started using a vermilion, and I really like that, Mm -hmm. especially if I'm doing something with a lot of red rock that just really lends itself to to the finished piece. But so, like an opaque vermilion, or is it more like a wash? It's it's opaque. Um, With the acrylics, I usually go opaque. I say that not always. Sometimes I'll go with like a transparent wash of color. But generally speaking, it's opaque. So I really have to build up those layers of acrylic because on the black gesso, especially, the black just sort of absorbs the color. So I really have to build up layers and layers of paint to make it really saturated looking. But I like the black because... It's a solid black gesso behind. Well, it's something I picked up actually at one of the workshops. There was a painter there and I liked the graphic quality it gave because she would let some of the black show. And I've always liked letting some of the underpainting show through. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people do that. And I I think it's really an effective use of color. I mean, so, you know, sometimes I'll leave a little bit of the black. A lot of times I'll paint over that as well. And then, I mean, if you really hate a part of the painting, you can just paint it out with the black gesso and start over. 
So it's, it's kind of handy in that respect. I mean, it's very forgiving. So I like that aspect of it. And sometimes I might not even have a real solid covering over the black. I like the effect it brings with layering a little bit of color over. So so it's just another tool in the box. I do like to use outlining. Sometimes I'll use that as a way of shapes that I've just sort of blocked in pretty loosely. I can start defining with a little bit of line. I I definitely like to play Mm -hmm. with the graphic element in every finished piece. Do you do a whole drawing before you start? I like to take like a yellow ochre and just paint in my sketch very loosely. I'm, I'm, I think I'm a little bit of a lazy painter um, in some respects. I mean, I could <laughs> sit there and draw it in and be a lot more exact, but trying to get away from being a tight painter and really focusing on staying loose, that helps me. I've been doing a lot of pet portrait commissions, for instance, and the Mm -hmm. people that come to me, I always make sure they know that, hey, this is not going to be an exact replica of your photo. It's going to be my interpretation. And and, I mean, they're they're coming to me because they like that. So, right. Hearing you talk about your style being kind of loose and it, it is visibly like loose and whimsical. Did that come from when you started first loosening up at that workshop? Did you keep that same style or did you bring it back in or how did, how did you get to this point of view that you have? Cause it's like your voice is becoming oh, clear. Well, that's great to hear. Um, and that's really what I'm, I'm trying to do is really keep yeah. honing my, my skills and just keep bringing it up a notch and, and challenging myself My son actually made a really interesting observation one day because he was looking at my work. It was a church piece I did, Adobe Church, and I hadn't done one in a while. And he said, you know, the difference between your early pieces and the pieces you're doing now is when you first started doing them, they were pretty stripped down, not a lot of detail. And as I paint, I have added more detail in over time. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's realistic by any stretch of the imagination, but sure. a little bit more structure and mm-hmm. definition. I still try to keep simple shapes and just really work on making the detail mean something in the finished piece. Yeah, some of your paintings seem like they have a significant amount of detail. Like I'm thinking of some of your floral work, especially. Mm-hmm. Those are really oh, nice. You. Really graphic quality to a lot of your work. And is that informed by your work as a graphic designer? Well, yes, I do think that having that kind of background and training definitely, and I think with the drawing too, lends itself to that graphic approach. I think that's part of why I do it the way I do it. All right, stop the record. Please allow me to interrupt for a minute here. Debbie and I had a couple technical problems with our connection. And while we'll get back to our talk in just a minute, I'd like to take this opportunity to check in with you about the podcast. If you dig it, Please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. If you have some ideas about how it could be better, please email or DM at Western Gallery via Instagram. I'm all ears. Okay, let's jump back in. When the recording cut out, I was asking Debbie about taking her work to art shows and selling prints of her work versus originals. So we'll pick up there. You know, for a while, I was kind of on the fence about doing prints and giclés. Right. But, you know, for some of these events, it's it's good to have an option so that if they really want yeah. to own something of your work, they can have that option. I, I look at it as a way of people who like my art, but maybe paintings aren't in their budget. It's a way for them to have something in their home. 
It really, you know, I feel like as an artist, um, it does seem a little bit commercial as far as fine art. However, you know, recently I was contacted Mm -hmm. by somebody who bought a set of cards for me 10 years ago. Wow. She wanted to have some prints. And I mean, somebody like that, eventually they're going to buy a piece, an original piece. They're going to say, I want to have an original piece. Of course, my preference is always to sell originals and focus my time on that. I I mean, I agree that there's definitely a good entry point in printed Mm -hmm. materials for people that can't afford originals. Um, There's a much wider audience of people who might be interested in your work in that realm, Mm -hmm. I believe, than original buyers. Yes. Even though, you know, the impact is much different in a printed piece versus oh, a original. yes. I mean, uh, I always encourage people when I do these shows to come and see my work in person because I really don't think mm-hmm. photos or even images on Instagram, Facebook, it's not right, the same yeah. as seeing work in person. The physical mm-hmm. the physical work is, is its own. It can be like a yes. special encounter with it. You know? like well, it's, and then it's you know, funny because yeah. last year I did a show in Fredericksburg and um, part of the challenge for that show so it, the space it was a beautiful space with really tall walls. And so it was decided that for this particular mm-hmm. show, I would do large pieces. And for a few years, people kept asking, hey, do you do large pieces? And I'd say, well, I can, but I didn't really have anything really large to show anybody. So, you know, here again, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do that. So oddly enough, it turns out I love working large. I would work large a whole lot more. You know, if I had some place to put them, we're, we're trying to move. And that's right. part of the whole thing um, with the move. I'm hoping to have a, a mm-hmm. larger studio space and that'll allow me to do some things I've been wanting to right. do. But one of the things that I learned about having these large pieces was people were telling me, oh, my gosh, when I see this piece, it really just draws me into the scene. They felt like they could walk into the scene. And I thought, wow, that's really a great thing for me to hear, you know, and very encouraging that they could relate to it, you know, Mm -hmm. in that way. That's great. Hmm. So do you do a lot of shows? When did you decide to take your work to a show for the first time? And and what was that like for you? Okay. So I had been doing jewelry and which is completely, and I did a lot of shows with that. I did local art shows, some junior league shows Mm -hmm. that were, you know, the big, 200 to 300 people selling their work, including people that do fine art. So I I had some experience doing shows already. However, I will say this, selling jewelry and selling art is completely different because people can always justify buying jewelry or a gift, you know, and it's a lot less of a price point too, of course. So I did have some experience with that. So what I did was I did a show out Round Top that was kind of a folk art show. And I was accepted with my jewelry and asked if I could show the artwork. And I did. And so that was a way of getting some feedback on it. And I think it was the second time I did one like that. A woman out of Dallas, she had a place she was opening in Bandera, a kind of a gallery gift shop. And she blew through and she's like, I like your stuff. I want to put it in my shop. So pretty early on, I had some interest, you know, in kind of a gallery setting. So that was very exciting. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, the first really big show I did with just the art was the Weems show in Albuquerque, which went on for years. Uh, Somebody that had seen my work on Etsy, of all places, said, hey, I do the show. I think your stuff would be great you should try to do the show. So I applied to the show and I didn't even know, I mean, this was how much of a newbie I was with some of the, the art shows. Their deadline had already passed mm-hmm. and I had just sent in the stuff 
And then oh, um, wow. like a week later, they called, I think they called me and they said, um, hey, we really liked your work and we put you at the top of our wait list. So if something comes open, you oh, know, cool. we'd like for you to do the show. And then a couple of days later, they had a cancellation. So I ended up packing up and driving to Albuquerque <laughs> and doing the show. And, and and thank goodness the man next to me, Steve Hunsicker, he was has been in the business for years. He's a painter. He really kind of took me under his wing and he mm-hmm. gave me all sorts of very good advice and information. So it was a really good experience. In, in fact, I also met uh, another painter who I am now friends with and we've gone and painted together. So, yeah, I always encourage people that want to get into painting and to not just pursue getting into galleries. Doing some shows can be very beneficial. There are a lot of work. Right. You know, getting your work in front of just the general public can be pretty daunting at times. I mean, because not everybody will like what they see and people are pretty free with their commentary, good and bad. Mm-hmm. But it's good because if you're going to be in this business, you have to be able to hear the bad stuff too or the, you know, the critiques and maybe the things you don't want to hear. Sure. But it's all part of the growing process. Well, yeah. And then you learn to filter through kind of what criticism oh, yeah. you want yeah, to take and what you don't. Sometimes, I mean, I've been told certain things. Um, for instance, I was at a show last March in Albuquerque and a painter friend of mine came through and, and he, he, he knows his stuff. And there was a piece. It was the piece you posted, actually, the Chamisa. And he looked at that and he said, wow, Mm -hmm. you know, that just doesn't look finished to me. And I said, oh, well, I like it. Hmm. After he left, I thought, well, gee, do I need to go back and do more? And I'm like, no, that's the finished piece. I like it. I'm not going to listen to that. And I was staying with my painter friend. And I said, hey, you know, this was something that, that he said, what do you think? And she's like, don't listen to him, you know. So, I mean, it's that thing. Everything's subjective, you know. Like, this <laughs> one person can come through and say, oh, I don't like blah, blah, blah. And the next person comes through and they say, oh, I really love how you did X, Y, Z. So, Yeah, people love and really dislike the same exact thing. Yeah. It's interesting. It really is. But it's also fun, you know, it's fun and worthwhile to hear things that resonate with a number of people, right? Yes. And then you can kind well, of You used the word whimsical earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, okay, so when I first started showing my work, that was a word that popped up right off the bat. And I've decided, you know, you have to embrace it. I mean, obviously, that is the way people describe my work. And I do, I do see that it has a whimsical quality because it's not super realistic and you know i like to use that skewed perspective that just kind of puts you a little bit off balance Mm -hmm. you know and yeah i've had a lot of people ask me about that like why do you sort of have that off balance perspective and i said that's just the way i like to add a little interest yeah and and i feel like it sort of creates movement and gives people sort of an entry path to the piece yeah, so I, I would agree with that. I mean, because you used that word, and I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm glad that you did. I said it, and I think that it's a positive quality to your work. You know, like mm-hmm. something that is whimsical is, you know, I think of as being fun, right? And fun is always approachable. Yes, yes. You know, I'd rather surround myself with things that are upbeat and happy than things that. You know, maybe there's space for some think pieces, but for the most part, what you have around you will influence, I think, your life on a day-to-day basis. You live with a painting, right? If it's in your house. So I like to keep bright, happy things on my walls. Absolutely. I do too. I mean, I I do Mm -hmm. agree with that. You need to surround yourself with things that you love. And, um, And happy is another descriptive word I've had too. 
people will also say, oh, that makes me happy. And, and I like to hear that because, right. you know, life's too short. You need to make yourself as happy mm-hmm. as you can be I agree. and use any means to do so. Who are some of your influences? Well, of course, that whole Tao School of Painters, I love that mm-hmm. whole group. In particular, Maynard Dixon. I noticed you post a lot mm-hmm. of his, I love, love his work. There's a piece at the Panhandle Plains Museum in Amarillo. I have a pretty incredible collection of art there. And George O'Keefe used to teach at that school back before it was the Texas A&M school. Oh, wow. Which It was, um, uh, I think it was called West Texas before it was West Texas A&M. Well, okay, so West Texas A&M. Sorry, mm-hmm. I uh, it cut out just a little bit. I didn't catch what the school name was. And it's over, is that up? Uh, In Canyon. Um, so that's why you see some, some of my Paladuro paintings, because that was a gem to discover. Oh, my gosh. Um, there are some cabins there, and I'm dying to go and stay there for like a long weekend and just paint. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to do it because it's cool. it's beautiful. They say it's the second largest canyon next to the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, Maynard Dixon, he is a favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and Denton and um, oh yeah, Ufer. There, there's all of those. I just Victor Higgins. The work is just amazing. And then, of course, there are a ton of more current painters that I just love. I really love the work of Louisa McElwain, who's no longer with us. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Her work work is great. Her work really speaks to me. And so, Jivon, I'm never sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. Jivon Lee, he's up in Taos, Mm -hmm. and he does those huge pieces that are very expressive. expressive. Yeah. Love his work. (laughs) Love his work. Mm-hmm. And then um, his, we were in Taos last fall and we went into a little gallery there. And that's, um, we'd seen his work, I think, uh, in Southwest Art Magazine. But he, she had his work there along with Jeff Cochran, who does lovely mm-hmm. uh, landscapes as well. And it was really fun to see those pieces in person. And then yeah. John Moyers is another oh, yeah. gentleman that I've loved his work for quite a while. And um, it, he's got a graphic style. It, it's I find myself drawn to the graphic things, you know, like Logan mm-hmm. Maxwell Hagegi. Is that how you say mm-hmm. his last name? Hagegi. Okay, we love his work as well. And uh, yeah. Brett Brett Allen Johnson, his mm-hmm. work is fabulous. Um, so there's a lot of really talented people out there. And oh, yeah. sometimes I'm amazed that they're not as well known as you would think. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to me. It is. The Western art world in the mm-hmm. West United States, since the word, it does seem like there's kind of like a small community mm-hmm. of uh, artists and then collectors and publishers. And, you know, within the grand art world, it uh, seems much more smaller and personal to me. Oh, and another artist I love, Howard Post. Oh, I yeah. love Howard Post's work, too. Yeah. I could probably think of a million that I just love, yeah. but but his work is, it, it really, to me, looks like that Tao style. Mm-hmm. It, it really speaks to me, too. As an artist, do you have a favorite brush or a secret weapon? Well, I like those flat brushes, I guess three-quarter inch. I use that a ton because mm-hmm. you can get kind of a wash and you can get a straight edge with it. 
And I do find myself using just a handful of the same brushes over and over again, even though I've got mm-hmm. a million brushes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't really use the round ones very much. Although after dabbling in oil, I recently went on a very, very wonderful trip to the Abiquiu area oh, with yeah. a friend of mine. We went to Ghost Ranch for an mm-hmm. afternoon and then we had a place that she, she knows somebody with a home that's ideally situated and we stayed there and we never left. She wow. kept saying, oh, we could go paint this and that. But there were so many views. We just stayed there because it was a short time. So it was nice to just get as much painting done. Yeah, sure. I think all we did was eat, sleep, paint, and then drink a little wine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds like a good trip. It good was trip. a good trip. Yeah. And, you know, it was a good chance to sort of, I did some acrylics because that's what I usually work in. But I did want to try my hand at the oils. And I, I found I really like them. So I will be doing more of those. But, you know, you do have that drying time to wait for. I'm a little bit impatient. So that that's the right. downside to me. Gotcha. It would be, you know, when I have space and I can work on several things at once, that would be ideal. Yeah, that, that seems kind of like a, maybe a solution for working in oil is to mm-hmm. be able to go from one thing to the next. Yes. Yeah. So we were, you were talking before about how it can be a lot of work to uh, take all your, your stuff to shows mm-hmm. and the whole practical side of things. How do you balance that with making time to just be creative? It's, it's definitely a balance because I do actually do a little part-time work too for an interior mm-hmm. designer, which it's nice because I feel like that sort of ties in with my love of design sure. and color. Yeah. And that's super flexible. So that's worked out great for me, you know, if I need to say, hey, I'm leaving for a week to go do a show, I can do it. Yeah. But yeah, I try to block out time so that I know there's days that I can just paint. Mm-hmm. I do work out of my home and it's a challenge because you have a lot more interruptions. That was the the thing that I noticed going on that painting trip where you could just focus. It was really wonderful right. to immerse you know, just to be able to be immersed in it without any distractions. I do try to block out time, but it is, it is a balance. I mean, like right now we're doing remodeling. So, I mean, I might have to stop and clear out a room and I already had to move my painting area once and I'll have to do that again and eventually find some outside studio space Mm -hmm. for an indefinite amount of time because we're putting our house on the market we don't know where we're moving gotcha. to yet. <laughs> yeah, I remember you, you mentioned that before. You were talking about potentially moving west. Are you thinking like over there near Palo Duro or? Uh, well, I mean, my husband said, you know, hey, we could consider the panhandle, maybe go grow grapes. But oh, And wow. I like the wide open spaces. We recently went down to Alpine, Texas, Marfa, right in there. Oh, nice. And yeah. I really fell in love with Alpine and Fort Davis. Um, Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. And it really spoke to me as far as, you know, doing landscapes. I love to do clouds and the skies there are amazing. So I I have actually I have from that trip, it kind of spawned an idea for a show. Uh, We stayed at the Indian Lodge in Fort Davis. And um, Mm -hmm. I have had my work out at a a little gallery slash shop in Johnson City called Echo. And, and she features art and has had a couple, some major shows there out there in Johnson City. And she had seen the pictures I had taken of the Indian Lodge, which is just mm-hmm. such a gem. They re-renovated it. They painted it white. So it's like a little pearl that sits there at Fort Davis in the park. And the light on the building, you know, was incredible. So she saw the huh. photos and she said, hey, how about doing a, a show, a white show, where all the subjects are white? 
And I wow. thought, okay, and white is an interesting color because it isn't just white. You know, right. if you're going right? paint, right. If you're going to paint white, you, if you want it to look interesting or have any depth, you have to add other colors to it. I mean, if you mm-hmm. look at snow, you see blue, you see purple, you see other colors. So right. I thought, you know, this really could be interesting. So um, that's slated for the end of January Great. to do this white show. So I'm pretty excited about that. I think it's going to be uh, yet another challenge. Um, and I already have plenty of subjects that I want to choose from for that one. So so that's going to be fun. But you haven't started painting that one yet. Um, I've started started yesterday <laughs> so yeah i really need to get to work um nothing nothing like a deadline huh you know um i am one of those people that i, I work best on a deadline sadly oh i think yeah it's very motivating it, it, it is um when i had the, the the show last year in september i really didn't get going on that until probably june and mm. it was a little bit scary because I was doing these big pieces and I wasn't even sure how long that would take. But I mean, I think it was nice for me because I'd say, hey, I really have to immerse myself in this and mm-hmm. block out the time and just say, this is what I'm doing. Don't give me anything else. So it, it'll all, yeah. it'll be good. We do have the holidays in there, but you know, yeah, you have to balance things around your personal life too. Mm-hmm. So I've started recently reading The Artist's Way. Um, I'm recommending it to a lot of friends because I think it really helps you um, focus on what's important to you as an artist and how you use your time. It really is. It's it's a very powerful book. When I first read it, or I I didn't even finish it, actually. I haven't yet either. (laughs) Yeah, but I ended up moving from Austin to ultimately to Nashville to write country songs. Oh, you did. (laughs) Oh, wow. And I did that for a while. And then uh, after we had our first kid, we decided to move back to be close to our parents. And Mm -hmm. also playing music in the house is not really conducive to baby sleeping. So that's when I found, kind of rekindled my interest in visual art. Well, you'll, you'll come back to the, the songs and the music. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think things always come back full circle. You know, I wish I was musically talented, um, the one thing I haven't been doing, I do the morning pages pretty religiously, but I haven't been mm-hmm. doing the artist date, oh, but yeah. I see the value in it. There is value mm-hmm. in it because you do, you have to refill the well as they, and they even say the busier you are, the more you should do it. So that's a goal for yeah. me, even though this, it's going to be a crazy couple months um, with all these events and the show coming up, um, you know, I'm going to try to make time for that. Refill the well. Yeah, I mean, in addition to like, be, you know, finding the inspiration, it gives you time alone to actually think about like what yes. you want to do, mm-hmm. you know, with your inspiration. That's great. Yeah, I think people don't always realize how much time is spent just thinking about a project before you even do any hands on, you know, just mm-hmm. sort of formulating your ideas and letting them go off in different directions. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have an idea or a germ of an idea, but it, it takes that whole thought process to, to let it really fully formulate. Yeah. I mean, it, I like to think about things sometimes in the, the 80, 20 rule. Like oh yeah. Almost, you know, 80% preparation, 20% yes. execution will sometimes works out well. Sometimes for me, it turns into too much preparation and not enough execution. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, there's definitely a lot of work in deciding what to paint or what your creative project is going to be and how to do it. Well, and that's, I have another friend we often talk about, people will say to us, 
oh, isn't it hard to come up with ideas to, of what you want to paint? And it's really the opposite is true. You yeah. sometimes <laughs> have so many ideas. It's almost paralyzing. I'm trying to decide, oh, well, you know, gee, I could do this. But what if I did this? And then one idea's direction. So that is not a problem. It's sometimes having too many ideas is actually a problem, as crazy as that sounds. No, I mean, then you have to edit it. And you know what? I think, you know, you're talking about your process a little bit. Probably when you start moving things from photos to sketches, Mm -hmm. you start to be able to filter through things a little better. Mm -hmm. And then you've already got some momentum going with some things, and maybe it's easier to pick a direction. Mm -hmm. Even with this um, Indian Lodge portion of the white show that I'm working on right now, I focused Mm -hmm. in on a particular image that was my favorite. So I thought, well, I'll start with this and I'm doing just a small study first. I want to kind of play with this and see how I like it before I commit because I want to do a larger anchor piece for the show. Mm -hmm. And now that I have it painted in, blocked in, the window to me is losing its impact. So now I'm like, okay, maybe I need to crop in and really play Mm. this aspect up more. You know, so it's, I think doing these studies, I decided on this particular show, I wanted to do the studies first and then jump to the larger pieces and, and just see mm-hmm. where that process takes me. Because I don't usually do that. And I thought, right. well, and I need some small pieces for the, the Blue Genie show. So, you there know, you I was go. like, yeah. okay, let's... Sell the studies at the Blue Genie. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. So, cool. you know, use everything. That That's another one of my mottos, especially if you mm-hmm. have limited time and you're trying to do that work-life. Yes. You know, if you can use everything at your disposal, why not? Yeah. Uh, I guess if you have maybe one piece of advice for somebody who is getting into painting, what would that be? Well, I think not to be afraid to be willing to make mistakes and experiment. And, you know, I don't take as much time to experiment as I would like. And and that's something mm-hmm. I'm trying to do because sometimes through experimentation, you discover another direction that maybe you wouldn't have gone in. And so I do feel like it's very, very important experimentation All right. and also getting your work out there if nobody can see it sure then nobody's gonna ever want to buy it so that's that's the truth <laughs> mm-hmm. well great thank you so much debbie i'm um also before we go i wanted to ask you real quick to summarize i know you have the mm-hmm. uh the white show that you're talking about in january and where what gallery was that at again or what what's boutique or whatever? um it's at echo 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 in johnson city maybe i can convince the family to let me go down to Austin. Oh, you should. That would be fun. (laughs) That would be fun. Yeah. And um, I'd love to come check it out. And I did just find out last night I'm um, a finalist in the William Chris Winery Wine Label Competition. All right. Congrats. I I did it last year. I was one of the finalists. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It's a beautiful winery. They have excellent wine. So I always encourage people to go check that out. And, and I'm supposed to be hanging work there in December in their members area. Getting the work out there. All right. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for uh, chatting today. And uh, well, thanks, George. I am excited to uh, come see your work in Austin or elsewhere. Yes, I would love that. So it was nice to finally meet in person, sort of. Yeah, it's great to great to talk uh, in real time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. Thanks for chatting. All right. Bye bye. Right. Bye bye. So there you go. Thank you for listening, and another big thanks to Debbie for taking the time to talk. You can find her work on Instagram as at Debbie Carroll with two B's, two R's, two L's, 
and on the web at www.debbiecarolfineart.com. Once again, if you like the show, please leave a review or share an episode with your friend or email me notes or suggestions directly at info at western.gallery or via Instagram direct message at Western Gallery. Horizons is produced by Western Gallery for the love of Western art and artists of all genres. Music in this episode is by The Georgian Company, who you can find on iTunes and Spotify, courtesy of Pants of Fate Records. Thanks again and tune in next time for a conversation with artist Luke Anderson. <laughs>